One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. It is well with my soul, which is to say, even though there's conflict on the outside, doesn't mean there has to be on the inside. I can have wellness in my soul. And sometimes... You don't feel well in your soul. Sometimes you feel like an emotional wreck. But sometimes when you're just declaring, although I don't feel it, I'm telling my soul, it is well with my soul. The pain that I'm going through is temporary and my future is secure. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I want to share this with you. It says, for he knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper, not to harm you, for a hope and a future. This weekend, I spent uh, some time in San Antonio just last night, and I was at uh, my cousin's wedding. And uh, anybody love weddings? Yes. Some brave soul over there. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and I got this opportunity to sit down with my grandfather. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. And, and my mom snapped a picture of it and sent it to me, and I was looking at it this morning. And... and uh, Grandpa called me over and I sat down over at his table and his name is Mario Guajardo. He is 85 years old and he pastors a church in New Braunfels, Texas, La Casa del Rey. And Papa is one of my favorite preachers. And he comes and he, he says, hey, Preston. It's like, yeah. Uh, uh, Timothy. Yeah, he, he, he calls me by my first and middle name sometimes. He gets it switched up. He's like, Preston, come here. So he's like, you know, we've got a lot in common. I was like, oh, we do, Grandpa. He goes, yeah. He says, but uh, I don't really understand the skinny jeans. And I was like, you know, Grandpa, you don't have to. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. But uh, he says, you getting married on September 23rd? I got married on September 24th. I was like, really, Grandpa? He goes, yes. And then, and then what, he, uh, what he said next is he said, I'm a minister of the gospel. You're a minister of the gospel. So yeah, that's right, Grandpa. That's right. And uh, what he said next, I'll never forget. I wrote it down. And he says, well, I've been through a lot in life. And, he's, and he says, come in, come closer. I have something to tell you. He, and, uh, and I leaned in a little bit. And he says, you're young now. He said, it gets better. You may be young now, and it may be good now. It may be bad now, but I'm here to tell you that it gets better. If you are under the hand of God, and if you are following Jesus, he's going to take you from strength to strength, from glory to glory in the name of Jesus. For he knows the plans he has for you. Prosper not to harm you, and for a hope and a future. For hope and a future. The future is brighter than you think it is. The future is brighter than you think it is. Well, I'm, I'm going to preach and I'm going to encourage you. 
And uh, and uh, is anybody ready to get hear some good preaching in the house? Well, good. Well, make sure you come back next week because Dad will be back preaching. So, kidding. I'll make it rain. Uh, but uh, but I'm going to preach. And uh, why don't you turn and touch two people and tell them your future is better than you think it is as you have a seat. Any uh, married people in the house? A show of hands. Woo! Give me some woo. Any single people? Woo! All right, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Take a good look around to see what you're working with. Uh, Dad always tells me, if you're going to go fishing, do it in some clean water. Hey, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, that has nothing to do with the message, but this is part of what church is about. So some clean water. PH levels high, not that Aquafina crap that I drink sometimes. But uh, <laughs> now, does anybody growing up? Did anybody have trouble as a kid eating your veggies? Any any anyone have trouble eating your veggies? Okay, like I was I was talking to Dakota the other day, and I was like, "Do you uh, do you like vegetables growing up?" She said, "Yeah, I love vegetables." I was like, "Okay, that's great." She's like, "Well, my my mom was a vegetarian, so maybe if your parent was a vegetarian, then you just were born with the desire for cucumbers and squash." But but for those of us who have a palate that enjoy sour Skittles, Hershey's chocolate. Godiva or Godiva, based on where you're from. Licorice. Cinnamon rolls. For those of us, vegetables are often an issue. And uh, I, had a, I had problems with vegetables. And, and, and my brothers and I, we'd be, at, we'd be at the restaurant. And the rule was, the rule always was that we had to eat everything on our plate before we could get up or leave. Right, right. Anybody have that item in your family? Fantastic. So you can empathize because we had to eat everything. So then I came up once when I was, I think maybe uh, nine, 10 years old was the concept. Maybe I don't have to eat everything. Maybe I just have to create the illusion that everything has been eaten. And, and I came up with a plot, and, I, and what, we, what I would try to do is, is when I would get the spinach, primarily spinach was not my favorite item. Spinach and peas, especially when it was like super moist, you know, like spinach is just sloppy. It's just like, like that sound, you know, and, and so I, I wasn't a fan of my spinach. So what I would do is I would take the spinach and I would put it in my napkin, right? Or, you know tend to eat it. Hey, mom. Yeah, you're so, yeah, such good. And stick the napkin in my pocket. Okay. And I figured that if I was able to dispose of the napkin in the trash, then the illusion would be had that I ate my vegetables. Turns out my mom, Rebecca Guajardo Woody is some sort of bloodhound and she seems to find like she's she she would go to the trash and literally be pulling out like vegetables and spinach and squash she's like what is this i'm like i don't know like devin i don't know my brother i don't understand and so we figured that the that method didn't quite work so one evening 
in the middle of winter, sitting at our dining table, my brother, Devin, and I, we were stuck because we were having to finish off the vegetables. We enjoyed our steak with the bacon wrapped around. That's no big, that's no big deal. That's like the real stuff. That's the stuff that makes you strong. That's how you thrive. Veggies are just like, yeah, like supplements. And, and so there we are with our veggies and mom and dad kind of walk off and we're, we're stranded imprisoned at the dining table until we eat our spinach and squash. So all of a sudden I'm looking around and I come up with a plot, a ploy, a plan. Instead of putting our spinach and squash in the trash, why not look up? Let's, let's, let's just think, think bigger, think higher. What would happen if we just put it on the ceiling fan? on top of the dining table. I said, Dev, what do you, what do you think? Like, I, we should do it. He's like, no, I don't know. I was like, no, Dev, what do you think? He's like, yeah, I guess. Like, if you ask it twice, he's like, yeah, okay. And so, so he hands me his, his vegetables, scoop it up. I was like, Dev, you watch. I'll put the squash and spinach on the fan. So we stand up, Dev watches, and, and we, we, put it up there on the fan, put it like, kind of like, you know how it's like thin and then it kind of gets larger. It's kind of like on the larger part of the fan blade. And up there's like all this dust and everything that you like clean off like uh, every spring. And so there we are. It's put it up there. And probably about two weeks later, we added some carrots to the mix. Mom comes back in to see how we've been doing with our progress. Well, well, she goes in to flip on what she thought was a light, but it turned out to be the ceiling fan that was above us. And what happened next was childhood defining. My deception, my deceit, my lies has, were exposed as squash and spinach and carrots of all colors, black, brown, and green, slime green, fly across the kitchen. My, my, and my, my heart is pulsating in my chest, and I realize in that moment that I am exposed. I stay quiet, and mom's just looking. She's shocked and perplexed. She's like, what, 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 what? And I'm like, yeah, what, 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 what? what? I don't know. What is, oh. And then... What happens next is I was trapped. And here's how. Devin asked the question that every little sibling asks that traps every older sibling into telling. And here it is. He says, he whispers just loud enough for mom to hear, pressed, should we tell mom what we did? We, what? And she said, what did you do? And I looked at Dev. I was like, well, now we have to tell. You could ask me in private. Dev. And in that moment, mom looked to me. The older brother takes responsibility for the squash and vegetables scattered across lies and deceit ended up in no video games. And it was terrible. I was absolutely trapped in that moment. And confession came next. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel good, and it didn't feel good to be trapped. 
it felt like you were kind of exposed. You couldn't necessarily leave or, or you couldn't talk your way out. And there's one thing about being and feeling trapped when you've done something wrong. But what about when you feel trapped because you've done something right? I want to talk about feeling trapped because there is a difference between being trapped and feeling trapped. I wonder where you feel trapped in your life because feeling trapped often typically produces one or two things, depression and anxiety. Because you feel trapped, which means my options are limited. I don't have a, a clear direction on where to go. Or, in, or maybe my options may be limited, but the option that is optimal is very risky. I could risk, I, I'm, I'm risking my reputation for this. My emotional well-being. Anyone ever felt trapped? Maybe, it's, maybe you're trapped in a job. Maybe it's, a, a, you know it's a dead-end job. You know you're not supposed to be there, but that's all that you've got. You know that you have something greater on the inside of you, but you're stuck where you are. Maybe you feel trapped in a relationship. And I'm not talking about people who are, are married. I'm talking about a relationship that you've found your identity in, and you can't see yourself without it. The toxic level is growing you want out. But deep down, you know you can't get out. I wonder who feels trapped. Maybe you feel trapped in your own sin. <laughs> you feel like you are stuck in this little cycle of doing what you do that you hate that you do. But you feel like you can't tell anyone because if you do, you'll be exposed. Maybe you're here today and you feel Trapped, here's this, trapped by your own reputation. You feel you have a reputation to uphold and you're trapped in this projection of your identity. I wonder who here today on some level may feel trapped. And it, it turns out that an individual by the name of Moses in the Old Testament felt very similar. And I'm going to preach today um, from the Old Testament. All the scripture I'm going to read is, is from Exodus in, in the Old Testament. I find Moses, he's a character. He's very temperamental. He's a little bit aggressive. He's got some emotional issues. He raises his voice and he hits things when he gets mad. And, and, uh, and I'm talking about your husband, talking about Moses. And, and Moses is in a state right now where he has led the people of Israel who had been enslaved for 400 years out into the land God promised Abraham. The Israelites descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and there they were in Egypt where they grew, multiplied, became a nation, and were now delivered. God delivered the Israelites from oppression in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh after a series of plagues and miracles. And we find, we find Moses leading Israel towards what we know as, and many of you know the story of the Red Sea and and Moses is, he's confident and he's got excellent dialogue with God and how it works in the Old Testament is Moses would hear from God and, and Moses would go to the people and, and he was the uh, idea of the priest, only the, the priest could receive and, and hear direction from God and he would tell the people where to go and, 
And up until this point I'm about to share, the, Moses is quite the celebrity. Moses has been, is the first. He's the one who is known as the deliverer that has been talked about for generations. And finally end, ended pain and suffering for, in fact, over a million people. And we find Israel in this state. I want to read it to you in Exodus chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, go with me. Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to read from verse 8. Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to start with verse 8. Do you have your Bibles with you? Yes? If you have your Bible, hold it up. Wave it in the air like you just do care. A lot of your Bibles are glowing. That's because it's spirit-filled Bibles. Hey, Christian joke. Exodus chapter 14, verse 8, it says, The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Interesting, okay? Many people believe that the Lord was controlling Pharaoh's emotions. But in fact, through the first five plagues, Scripture says that Pharaoh's hardened his own heart. And it wasn't until he came to a point that the Lord began to harden Pharaoh's heart for his glory. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were, take note of this, marching out boldly. Marching out boldly. How are you going to march when you're marching boldly? You've got your chest up. You've got your chin up. And you are walking with a little bit of a strut. The Israelites were mar- marching out boldly. Why were they marching out boldly? Because they had a sense of confidence. They had seen God work in their past. So they felt good about their future. Verse 9, the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haheroth and Baal-Sephon. I just say it really fast so that no one knows I'm saying it wrong, just in case. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They, what were they? they were terrified. And what did they do? They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, all of a sudden, you know, the thing that they wanted turned out to be inconvenient. And so what do they do? They do just like all good Americans do. They turn to their leader to blame him. And uh, they cried out to the Lord. They, they, they cried out. To, uh, they were terrified, cried out to the Lord. And they said, Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Moses, what's your deal? Like, it, they sounds like little kids. What have you done by bringing us into Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Like, I feel like the Egyptians sound like a 16-year-old girl. Like the, 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 I'm sorry, the Israelites sound like a 16 year old girl in the sense that like they were in slavery. The Israelites were in slavery. They were praying for deliverance. They got what they prayed for. And all of a sudden they are blaming someone who brought them and answered their prayer for the very thing that they prayed for. 
And what they said is so interesting, okay? So there they are. They're at the spot. They've done everything God has called them to do. Moses is in a leadership predicament. And I'm going to share more on that here in a moment. And all of a sudden, once there is challenge, all of a sudden they turn to cast blame. Not only to cast blame, but they even say and they utter the words that it was better for us in Egypt. It was better for us in slavery. It would have been better for us to stay behind. So we find the Israelites in one verse marching out boldly, confident. Boom. Next verse, we find them wanting to go back from where they just marched out of. Why is it? At the first moment of opposition. The same thing that happens to the Israelites is the same thing that happens to you today. The enemy will romanticize where you used to be when where you used to be was slavery. They felt it was better to be back in slavery than it would be to chance God's promise. Even though God had delivered them, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. All they could see was themselves and their situation. All of a sudden, all the pain of the past was forgotten out of fear. Which is to say this, which is so important. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. God, and, and, and God, he has a, I know he, you've heard he has a plan. I want to call it, use the word calling. He has a calling for each of your life, each of your lives. When you are in your calling, you will experience fulfillment like you've never thought possible. It's, a, it's, this, it's this feeling of being in your element, doing what you are born to do. You just give and give and give. And as you give, you just receive this sense of fulfillment. And, and, and God has a calling for each of you. And I think in your mind, in your hearts, he's placed it in there and you know what it is. You know what it is, and to pursue that will be to pursue the heart of God, which will bring fulfillment in life, which you won't have to worry about your past, but here it is. The enemy of your calling is your comfort. The enemy of your calling is your comfort. I'll ask you the question, what is your comfort? For Israel, it was slavery. How can slavery be a comfortable place? They're wanting to go back to change. How, how did we get to a point where, Moses is thinking, how did we get to the point where the chains of slavery are more attractive than the challenge of this calling? How do we get to that place? I know how we do. Oftentimes, many of us seek escape or, or seek freedom in the very things, people that have us bound in the first place. Where is your comfort? Where are you seeking comfort in moments of feeling trapped? The enemy of your calling, it will always be your comfort. Convenience may be a better term. Now, we'll go on and with the story, and Moses has a response for the people. We find them in this moment of decision where it's tense. And he, uh, 
he gets up in front of the people and verse 13 and Moses answered the people he says do not be afraid stand firm for you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today he gets out and he gives a big old speech to just tame everybody all of a sudden factions are starting people are talking about each other there's a plan to go run off. There's a plan to go jump in and let's make a makeshift boat and try and get across. And, and there are people r- running all over the place. Moses, he's, he knows that he needs to stand up and calm everything down and just say something to encourage the people. So he gets up to do just that. And what Moses does is, we'll learn here in a moment, is something he's comfortable with. He is comfortable encouraging and edifying the people. Was it the right thing? I'll ask you the question, what is your comfort? What is your comfort? What is your comfort? Is it your charisma? Is that what you've relied on for so long? Is it a relationship? What is the comfort that's holding you back from your calling? What is it? Man, I'll tell you, for many of us, the comfort that can be holding us back could be as simple as, like, cinnamon rolls. Like, man, when you're tired and when you're a little bit ticked off, that cinnamon roll just looks so good. Man, and then we go back and, and I... And I my, uh, this happened to me last week. I eat the cinnamon roll. That looks so good in my neighborhood. I took it, I heated it up a little bit, and I ate it. And after I ate my cinnamon roll that I thought would bring me a little comfort, I just felt actually a little worse off than I did before. Isn't it interesting how deceitful comfort is? Like in my mind's eye, the last time I had a cinnamon roll, it was incredible. But once I ate it, it was like, ah, I feel like, I feel like a biscuit. Like what? What does that even mean? I just feel like it, like bread. Ugh. That's what, that's what comfort does. And Moses, he stands up to give his speech. He says, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And he preaches it. And he speaks it. I'm sure the people were like, probably like, yeah, yeah, the Lord will fight for us. We need only be still. The deliverance will come from the Lord. He's done it before. He will do it again. In Jehovah's name, as the Jews would do. Yahweh. And, uh, and I'm sure it was encouraging and I'm sure it was exciting. But I think oftentimes we see, have you ever seen individuals who oppose, who post that on Facebook? You know, like, I was like, um, you need only be still. The Lord will fight for you. Right. You know, like, yeah, I, I used to post that and it's like, yeah, that feels good. That's nice. The Lord will take up my battle and he will fight my enemies and my rivals when I'm seven years old. He will fight them and smite them. And, uh, and, and I can find courage and strength in that. But what's interesting is that is in contrast to what God commanded. Stand firm. Moses says, stand firm. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Here's what happens. Moses is tucked away. He goes back. He gives his speech. 
And he's praying. He's like, God, again, what do I do? This is all on me right now. What am I supposed to tell the people? This is what the Lord said in the middle of Moses' prayer. He said, why are you crying out to me? What do you mean? Like, I'm supposed to pray to you. Like, you're God. And he says, why are you crying out to me? You told the Israelites to stand still. I said to move on. God says, move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Moses said to be still, but yet God said to move on. Which is to say, for many of us, we need to move on when it would be a little bit easier to be still. Well, Preston, Scripture says that uh, be still and know that I am God, even in, in the New Testament. Yes, it does. You're right. It says to be still and what? Be still and know. Be still and know. Knowing is something that happens internally. What if God is more concerned with our peace on the inside than he is on the outside? Be still and know. So, well, those that wait on the Lord mount up on wings like eagles and run. The Lord will mount them up and they'll run and not grow weary or weak. Like, yeah, like I'm going to wait and then God's going to mount me up on an eagle and I'm going to fly and it's going to be great. I'm going to wait on the Lord for it. Just chill right here and next Sunday I'll come to church. But right now I'm waiting to be mounted on the eagle and it's going to be crazy because eagles fly really fast. The scripture doesn't say that the Lord will mount you up on wings like eagles. He says, those that wait on the Lord mount up on wings like eagles. They run, but what happens? They don't grow weary. They walk and they don't grow faint. Maybe it's time to move on when it would be easier to be still. I'm going to ask you the question, what do you feel like God is calling you to move on from? The reason why I ask this is because I believe in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know he knows the plans that he has for you. Your, comf- your, your calling is so much more significant. It's greater than anything you could ever get from the comfort that you are in right now. I truly believe, I truly believe the same promises for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Moses, through Jesus. Your future, church, individual person, mom, college student. Your future, it's better than you think it is. We return to our comfort when we lose sight of the promise of the future God gave us. I'm here to declare to you, your future is better than you think it is. It's better than you think it is. There are better relationships ahead. There's better opportunity ahead. There is more fulfillment ahead that you never even believe possible. It just starts from moving on. Moving on. Enough with the numbing. <laughs> Enough with the temporary numbing that just leads to another wasted year. It's time to move on when it would be easier to be still.
as I pull this text and I consider like what if what if moving on it has less to do with me than it does to do with something else I think we we find that question in the rest of the passage I'll read it to you in Exodus so so God says hey raise your staff move on stretch out Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them what does God say next in the middle of them being trapped in the middle of saying to move on in the middle of the pain in the middle of the obsession with comfort he says and I will gain glory through the Pharaoh and all of his army through his chariots and his horsemen the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain the glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen what if the reason that you're trapped is less about hurting you or harming you but rather revealing the glory of God it's not your ability friends you didn't get where you are. It's called the grace of God. For those of us who are following Jesus, we believe in the grace we call the grace of God. The grace, it takes us places that we can't go on our own. Like I'm not talented enough to do this, but I have the grace of God on my life. I have a passion in my heart to preach the word of God with divine clarity. The grace of God is on my life. It's the grace of Jesus. And now, what does this have to do with Christ? Well, we find Moses, the people that the Israelites looked to and also blamed both. But Moses is a picture of Jesus, the person of Jesus, he who knew no sin, who became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He can eradicate your, your, even your desires for sin and for comfort. And so many of us, we're going to have to move on from something. And, and I'm going to break it down a little bit specific. We're going to get a little specific here. Many of you need to move on from an offense. An offense that's holding you back. Someone that's hurt you. You've been hurt. You've been wronged. Someone's hurt you. You've been unjustly treated. And I had someone recently, about, and in fact, it was a couple years ago, asked me who were just really, they were just really frustrated. And they asked, and they said some things that were a little bit rude. And, and they asked me, does that offend you? And I knew that this relationship with these individuals was coming to an end. And I said, Honestly, it, it, it doesn't. And here's why. Like, how can I hold a fence against you when I have been forgiven of so much? God has already delivered you and offered you forgiveness through the person of the Lord Jesus. So offense and unforgiveness has no place in your life. In Jesus' name, release it right now. Release it right now. It may feel a little bit comfortable, but your calling's a whole lot better. Promise you that. Hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a sin issue. 
Maybe it's just something you've been trapped in for so long. It's something secret and you've held it down. And ultimately these issues thrive in privacy and in secrecy. Maybe it's the time to move on. Maybe to really believe that what God has for you in your future is better than the comfort and the numbing. Maybe it's a relationship. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm I'm talking about a relationship that's toxic. And and here's the thing, and, and it could not even be a relationship that's toxic. It could just be a relationship from a previous season. Just because someone was significant in a previous season doesn't mean they will in the next. God, we serve a seasonal God. God will bring people in and out of our lives. We have no control. We're just supposed to love people when they're here. That's how we do it. So why is it, man? Why, why do we go back to what makes us comfortable? Why do we hide there? Why are we right now debating in our mind whether or not we should go back there? Whether and step into what we're called to do. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget September of last year. I was about ready to ask someone on a date for the first time. And I was nervous. Like, yeah, I'm like... I was like, I was like pitting and like, I never pit, you know what I'm saying? We're out at this, like this, uh, this picnic and, 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 uh, and I'm like, why am I so nervous? Like, I don't really get that nervous about stuff and I'm, and I'm frustrated and, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting in my car. I'm like, I'm confident. I am Preston Woody and I'm confident. I am Preston Woody and I'm confident. I'm like, why do I have to tell myself I'm confident if I'm confident? And I'm, and I'm like, well, uh, I can do this. Well, at least my mom says I'm cute. So I'm just going to go for it. And so, so I go to, to go to ask this girl out and, and, uh, and I didn't realize till after, and I know this isn't this way for everyone, but I knew that if I asked this beautiful girl on a date that I would, I'd fall for. Her. And if I fell for, her, I'd get engaged to her. And if we got engaged, we'd get married and, and I could just see the whole thing playing out. So for me, it wasn't just asking someone on a date. For me, it was a complete life shift. And what concerned me was not as much the response, whether or not we, the date would happen, but rather the responsibility that would come with it. I'm here to tell you the responsibility of your future is going to bring so much more fulfillment than the comfort of your past. That's what you're born for. That's what you're born for. Do you believe it? Touch one person and tell them your future is better than you think it is. As you stand, stand with me, church. And I want to, to share this with you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this off, and then we're going we're gonna to worship together one more time as we close. And I love the picture in Exodus. Everything in Scripture is a type and shadow of the person of Jesus, and all the Scripture that I read was Old Testament. I love New Testament preaching, but this is a narrative that I'm, that I'm passionate about and love, and, and God was saying that he wants to reveal his glory through the tension and the pain. 
that the Israelites were in, the fear, the predicament, the sense of being trapped. And what's interesting is Moses gets up and he lifts his hand over the water, he stretches it out, and with a miraculous move of God, the waters begin to part. And all of a sudden, the Israelites are filled with awe. They're filled with hope again. And as the water parts, they walk through on dry ground to the other side, which holds the promise. Our Lord Jesus Christ, with outstretched arms, gave up his life. Moses brought physical salvation. Jesus brought eternal salvation for every man, woman, and child who will accept it. Freedom is available to you. The Red Sea was split, but when Jesus was sacrificed, the veil between you and God was torn. You now have access to the mighty presence of God. You now have, you no longer have to go to a priest or a pastor to hear from God. You can hear from God, you yourself, right here, right now. And he's speaking to you. He's speaking to many of you right now. And it's, in the end, it's not really about Moses or about the Israelites. It's about Jesus because the Israelites were frustrated where they were because they forgot who got them there. They wouldn't have been frustrated if they had remembered God got us here and God will sustain us. Jesus didn't get, Jesus got you where you are. You didn't get you where you are, which means Jesus will sustain you and take you to where you need to be in Jesus name. I'm going to read this to you and then we're going to, we're going to close and we're going to worship. And this is for you. I wrote out and I want to share with you. It says, yeah, you have responsibility, but God delivered you from depression. Yeah, you got drama, but God delivered you from loneliness. Yeah, you're under a lot of pressure, but God delivered you from a lack of purpose. You wouldn't be with the person you are with now if you hadn't moved from the person you were with then. If you go back, you'll avoid heartache, but you'll also forfeit any chance of intimacy. If you go back, you'll avoid risk, but you will also lose any chance of victory. If you go back, you may avoid some tears, but you'll also miss out on some genuine laughter. If you go back, you can preserve what you have, but you will never grasp what could have been. If you go back, you may prolong your death, but you will never truly live. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. And I'm here to declare today that today someone is going to step into their calling, step into their future in Jesus' name. I'm believing and declaring that strongholds are broken. Darkness is broken. I speak fresh vision. I speak fresh insight. I speak clarity where there has been confusion in the name of Jesus. For he knows the plans that he has for you. Plans to prosper, not to harm you. For a hope and for a future in Jesus' name. Come on, church. If you believe it, will you sing this together? I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.